You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentary's Global Rankings. Hello and welcome to Nick Luck Daily, the show that brings you the latest news and the sharpest insight from around the world of horse racing. It is Friday the 15th of October, the eve of Kipco British Champions Day and what a day we have in store as well. Confirmed declarations after the podcast went out yesterday and there is strength in depth throughout the card and we are Kipco British Champions Day through and through pretty much on the podcast today. There's plenty to get through. Broadcaster Rishi Basad will be joining me very shortly. But first of all, time to talk to Qatar Racing's racing manager, David Redford, the racing manager to Sheikh Farhad, the man behind the Kipco sponsorship of British Champions Day. It is the 10th anniversary this year, David. Is Kipco British Champions Day everything Sheikh Farhad and the team envisaged it to be? I think... I think this Saturday is looking like the most competitive, valuable, exciting um, days racing that there's ever been in the United Kingdom, and um, the that was always the the ambition um, that they would sponsor a, a, a fledgling um, race day that would be highlight the best of everything there is about British racing, and um, and hopefully engage a new younger audience and you know talking reading the press talking to people generally now that does appear to be the case so in that regards yes it's everything that uh, well every ambition that we've had is is coming to fruition and, and far from a far from a job done but we're um we're getting there and it's uh, we're all looking forward to a good ground mm. <laughs> thank god but it's champions day on saturday and there, there's a global link now with the, the fact that the, the the two features, if you like, two of the group ones, are win and you're in races for the Breeders' Cup. How did that come about, David? Well, Sheikh Fahad you know, loves American racing. We love racing worldwide. We're, we're incredibly lucky to have some of the best horses running in America and Australia. We've got um, Salido running in the Caulfield Cup tomorrow morning and um it's you know as well as well as having she dares the devil who won the kentucky oaks and one of the one of the stars of the show for breeders cup night so the the link uh, with the breeders cup has been has been you know it's one of the race meetings he wants to have a winner more than anything else and obviously the bloodstock industry is a global industry and he had to look at the um the vast array of nationalities at, at tattersall's this week uh, and the week before to, to to really appreciate that so there came an opportunity to partner up and um shape that jumped at it and uh, and it, any anything that further shines a light on the global appeal of horse racing has to be a good thing now the the, the subplot into tomorrow has uh, sort of threatens to steal the show really which is the the jockeys championship involving William Buick and uh, Qatar Racing's jockey Oshi Murphy it's now j- down to just two first of all from a sponsorship point of view this is great isn't it that it that it, it it's looking like depending on what happens later on at racing today but it, but it's almost certain to go down to the to the wire on Saturday which is fantastic yeah uh, it's it's nerve-wracking and um and there's uh, there's an element of 
I mean, we certainly, with with British Champion Series, we're, we're mad keen on the idea of the Jockeys and Trainers Championships being decided on Champions Day. It seemed to it seemed to you know be the perfect story, and um, and so it is. You know, I think the, the Jockeys Championship they wouldn't be the greatest surprise in the world if they end up level pegging on the day, and obviously that puts even more pressure on the on the poor lads in question. But. Mm. Um, you know, we've always felt it right that the to try and stop complete burnout, that the the championship is was shortened slightly. Um, we always felt it was right that whoever was crown champion should have the glory of being crown champion on Champions Day and 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 have the world's attention rather than finishing up in a on a wet weekend in in Doncaster. And for them to come into the weekend. Um, so close after such a an amazing year for both of them and um you know it's 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 going to be and i watched every single race coming back from the sales last night um and watched them nip and tuck and i'm sure we'll all be glued to the racing today to see how they both get on and then saturday they look to have sort of levelish chances throughout the day um so it's going to be it's going to be an absolutely intoxicating story Look, you mentioned pressure on on both the riders. That's something that um, Asheen was certainly very open about on a, an interview I did with him on on racing TV at Newmarket, obviously, in what was a, a pretty difficult week for him. And I would imagine the team. One thing that that strikes me is Sheikh Farhad's um, support and and loyalty to Asheen is pretty much unwavering. Is that very much still the case, David? Well. I think it's fair to say that we consider Oshin family. Um, you know, we 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 got him to join our team when he was seventeen, I think, um, and we've been through lots of roller coasters with him. Um, uh, Shay Fad loves him dearly, uh, as as do I, and I think there's, um, you know, we we work. I don't think it's unless you're unless you're part of an organisation like this, you don't really fully appreciate how closely you work. You know, I'd be talking. To Asheen numerous times every day, uh, as would Shafer much more than me, and um, we understand the, the the pressures that go with the job, and um, we probably actually don't even fully understand them to be honest, um, and the amount of pressure he puts himself under, and occasionally the lid comes off the pressure cooker, and um, you know there's, there's going to be undoubtedly lots of things for him to think about and work on once we get this weekend out of the way but you know there will never be any doubt about the closeness of the relationship between Sheikh Fahad and Oshin and um and anything that can be done to to help Oshin will be done but he's um as I say he's family so uh, in exactly the same way you would you would deal with deal with those pressures if you were a son or a brother is how they'll be dealt with now but he's you know it's I don't think anybody really understands, unless they've been in, in the in the cauldron that is a jockeys' championship right at the end. Exactly, you know, it, it's just it's never ending. David, really appreciate your your time this morning, and um, enjoy the day as much as you can uh, tomorrow with that unfolding championship. But um, all the all the equine delights on show anyway, because it should be a fantastic day. Lovely, thanks, Tom. Rishi Prasad with me now, and we've been talking about the Jockeys' Championship, um, well, pretty much 
for the last seven days as it's got closer and closer. Rishi, David Redfers, they're admitting to obviously the, the pressures that both of them are under and, and how's that mm. for a, a show of support to family member Ashim Murphy as far as Qatar racing go. Yeah, and I, I have to say, Tom, I'd expect nothing less um, considering the fact that, you know, they are a, a, a close-knit unit and the fact that Ashim Murphy is still relatively young um, in certainly in, in age, but also still relatively young in uh, his experience as a, as a sportsman. He's um, in his, in his mid twenties, he's got a lot still to learn. And clearly um, the last 18 months have suggested that there are bits of his character that perhaps just need a little bit of working on. I mean, you know, I'm in my middle age and I need bits of my character working on. So there's nothing unusual in that. And when you do need, home truths told to you then family are the best people to do it because they genuinely care for you they genuinely have your best interests at heart um and they're the best people to help put you in the right direction so hopefully um you know david redvers and the team at qatar racing will be able to guide Ashin murphy through uh, any changes that he might have to make and he himself has said it that's the, that's the that's the best thing about it he himself has said it in that excellent interview that you did with him on racing tv uh, at Newmarket the day after it all came out uh, he admitted himself that he has to address certain issues in his personal life um, so hopefully uh, with David Redvers, uh, Sheikh Farhad support they will be able to do just that. And we'll see what happens with that uh, Jockeys Championship well of course um, today at Haydock and uh, going down to the wire tomorrow at Ascot on Kipco British Champions Day which David pretty much described as the best domestic days racing ever in the UK as far as that um, the quality and the quality in depth goes. What really strikes you about the day, Rishi? I love the day as being a gathering of old friends, Tom. I really like the idea that we've got uh, a full crowd or almost a full crowd at Ascot once again and a lot of familiar names and horses that we know really well. In fact, five of Last year's six winners are back. Uh, the only exception is Wonderful Tonight. And one of the five winners, uh, Nord, is actually running in the QE2 as opposed to having won the Balmoral uh, 12 months ago. Um, and there are a lot, of, a lot of familiar names that we know there, whether it's Stradivarius, Trushan, Mishrif, The Revenant, Palace Pier, a lot of old friends, you know, Glen Shield, uh, etc. Um, they're horses that we absolutely adore over the years because of their longevity. Um, I just love everything about it. Genuinely, as a racing fan, there's nothing that, about the day that you cannot be excited by. All the clashes, every race, even the Balmoral looks a cracking race with Sunray Major creeping in at the bottom of the handicap. And there are proper clashes as well. It's not just simply a, a, a one horse and it's all about that one horse. Perhaps in the mare, you're thinking, well, maybe uh, Snowfall might be the standard. But the fact is that her last couple of runs suggest she might be vulnerable. Who might take advantage? I don't know, maybe it might be Alba Flora, who knows? Uh, Andrew Balding might strike a, a, a bit of a blow in the championship if he can get either Tribal Craft or invite to improve enormously. All that interest continues in every race. And the great thing about it is that there are a lot of these horses that we've known about for a long time. So hopefully, uh, you know, with the new players added the likes of your, your Snowfalls and your, and your Adeyars, uh, we're going to learn a little bit more about them. You mentioned old friends, Rishi. It's almost like you, you knew where we were going next. Beautiful. Mm, where are we going? We're, <laughs> we're going to, <laughs> you know, we're going to Amy Ryan, who 
um, whose yard sent out Brando for a, a sixth consecutive run in the Kipco British Champion Sprint. Unbelievable stuff for the, for the now nine-year-old. Um, and Amy rides him out pretty much each and every day. I put it to her that probably no one knows him better. Yeah, well, to be honest, I think most people know him. He's a bit of a legend, isn't he? Well, Tours he is anyway, but it was actually nice. I was at Nottingham yesterday, and um, a member of the public came up to me and said, oh, I love that horse. You know, is he going to run? He said, I always, I followed him since he was a two-year-old. So it's really nice, you know, when they get to this age for people to be following them, and they followed them throughout their career as well. And the, the thing with him, this is his sixth run on, on, on Champions Day, uh, but it's not like he's just there to make up the numbers. And I, I watched the run back last year and oh my, you must have had your head in your hands because it, he, he, he did everything but win, didn't he? he really, do you know what? He really deserves to win it. He loves the track. Ideally, we want rain. You know, he's better on the softer ground, the better. But um, it is what it is. But, you know, it's a race that he always runs his race and he's always a huge price as well. And it's always worth backing him each way, even because he's always a massive price. And apart from once, he's always hit the frame. Where do you feel he, he is now as a, a rising 10-year-old? Yeah, I mean, he feels great. He's actually, the last couple of days, he's been really fresh. Um, and then he fell off him the other day, actually. I thought that'd be embarrassing, falling off him. Uh, the quietest, the oldest horse in the yard. But um, no, he's in great form. And, you know, last time things weren't really, you know, it was five furlongs. It was quick ground that he would want. But um we got a run into him and the run before at Deauville when he finished fourth. I mean, he was beating length and a quarter, a short head and a neck. So, um, you know, it's he's running, I think, per, personally, I think he's running as well as he ever has, you know. Does he give you a good idea where he is at home? Uh, no, he's very laid back. <laughs> he's <laughs> a bit like myself. He's, um, he doesn't overdo himself. He's just an old legend, you know. He just comes out, does what he has to do, gets back in eats his dinner and has a snooze and you know, he's just he's just a legend of a horse and he's been like that, to be honest with you he's been like that from day one because I remember actually working him before he went to the breeze up sales I actually went to sit on him and I remember taking him at Moulton and you know when he works he, he comes alive you know he knows what he's there for but if you just cantered him you wouldn't really know what he sat on because he's so laid back how, how much do you guys love him I mean obviously you um you Tom and your dad and the whole family like when when they say horses are, are members of the family at home I wonder if we ever play that a bit but is he basically that oh he's, he is he's an absolute star and for me personally he's done so much for the people closest to me um you know we've told Pete and Ange that he has a home with me and Tom for life once he finishes racing when the time comes you know we'll have him for his retirement and we'll try and give him the give him everything back what he's given us on the track over the years so he's got a home for us for life and he really is part of the furniture you know he's one of those horses you can't help but like him he's just such a he's a real character but at the same time he's just an absolute legend to have around mm. you'll struggle to find a more popular in on, on the day um then again you've got last empire in there so she better not nut him on the line i suppose what what about yeah. her what about her chances <laughs> Yeah, she's, she's a lovely filly, Last Empire, and she won well at Goodwood. She obviously went over to um, France the last day in Group 1, and she ran really well. Um, again, she wants soft ground. Uh, they both want the softer ground, the better for both of them, to be honest with you. So I've been doing a bit of a rain dance so far this week. I'm hoping it comes. I think it's due on Saturday, but um, the softer ground, the better for both of them. But she's a very good filly, and I think she ran a really good race last time in really, really hot company. Cheers, Amy. Appreciate it, and uh, good luck with both of them. The love for that horse is there for for all to see. I love the idea of, of horses' personalities coming through. Like, I like Brando even more, the fact that he's just, you know, just, just the old guy at home. He's, he probably sees all these precocious young things at home and thinks, <laughs> save your energy, lads. 
he knows exactly how to manage himself. And that's the beauty about these old horses. The fact that they're still willing to do it when they've obviously gone through the pain barrier in the past uh, and they've developed together with the people that look after them a routine and a way of managing themselves. I think it's one of the great stories of Champions Day, the fact that there's a horse running in the champion sprint for, for the sixth consecutive year and the fact that he's run so well in it before. It would be the most remarkable story were he to win it. Um, but, the, you know, obviously it's, it's a really difficult race, that uh, champion sprint. It's very hard to be adamant who, who's going to win it. I've actually fancy a couple of outsiders in it. But I can't leave you there. Who, who may they be, Rishi? Who are these... Well, I, I like I, I like Highfield Princess to run all right, Tom. Mm-hmm. I think you know she's run obviously well on a variety of different grounds. So I don't think the ground's going to be any issue to her, whether it's uh, good, good to soft, or uh, you know she won on good to firm at Ascot, and she's obviously won with cut in the ground as well. She's got she's never run over six furlongs, but she has clearly got plenty of pace. She's drawn the stall eighteen. Um, just looking at how the race might pan out, I thought she might give a lead certainly on the stand side uh, or towards the stand side to, to the majority horses. And she, she keeps going and she's genuine. And having run well on Ascot before, I'm sure she'll run well again. And she's massive prize. She's 66 to 1 in places. And it's a wide open race, I think. Um, the only thing I'm thinking is that she might give a toe where she is to, to Rohan if he's back to form can't be entirely convinced of that um so i'll just throw another filly in there i think a lot of people have mentioned her already but happy romance i've i've liked the way she's uh shown that she's got a little bit more improvement possibly this season i thought she might have flattened out after she came back and she won on the all weather and then she sort of just went a little bit flat but she's come back really well um and she's a double figure prize so i'm probably going to take a chance on on those two highfield princess at massive price and happy romance at a, a juicy price Look at that. Um, you can get all the Twitter booms you like if any of those go in. And if they don't, they're big prices, so you're safe anyway. So it's fine. Uh, that's, that's what I've realised. That's yeah. the best thing. Having, having observed all these great tipsters out there, that's what I think the best thing to do is just tip long price horses. And no point napping. You've got no nothing fall. to lose. Absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, turning our attention to the, well, the, the race with the most strength in depth, I think, the unbelievable looking renewal of the Kipco British Champion Stakes. First of all, there's been much talk this week, well, really back to, since the, the midsummer when uh, Dubai Honor won at the July course about the work that Laura Collett has done with him uh, in the off season, and he's now three from four since coming back in. So I caught up with Laura yesterday and first of all, asked her how the link all came about. William just sort of um, rang and said he had a, a horse um, that he sort of was good last year um, and then when he came back into training they sort of felt like they'd that he'd lost his way um, and I think sending him to me was a bit of a last resort really to see if um, could do anything with him um, and when he came he um, for me was basically just turned into a bit of a spoiled brat and um, had obviously got away with being a bit naughty and sort of felt like he was running rings around people um so it was basically just about teaching him to to kind of do what he was told and um you know he he would to start with with nap nap going to the arena and 
Um, he just had a very high opinion of what he did and didn't want to be told to do. Um, and I guess having a change of scenery and being just having one-on-one um, rather than being in a string of horses and um, getting away with doing whatever he felt like doing um, was, was clearly what kind of changed him really what is it about what you do or your experience or your your career in eventing that allows you to 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 have the skills to to do this Laura um I guess I've just worked with an awful lot of horses and um kind of know can can read them um as to you know whether they're nervous or whether they are just taking the mickey a bit or um you know knowing knowing how far to push them and and what you can you know ask them and tell them what the difference is um and i guess be be very quick in rewarding them when they do it right so that they learn to do it in the right way rather than um in their way um but i guess it's just years of experience really um riding different horses (laughs) is there is there a finite amount of time a horse like him will spend with you or is it just a case of how long it takes and you know when he or she is ready to go off back to the yard yeah um it just depends um you know william it was great you know he said you can have him as long as you feel like you need him i think he sort of lost his you know <laughs> lost the will with him really um so he said you know have him have him as long as you need him um and it felt like he you know he did suddenly turn a corner um and so i said you know have him back as not much more i can do here um he did he ended up because he was you know he was quite full of himself and quite cheeky he ended up doing quite a bit of canter work here um just to kind of get on top of him really so um i said you know take him back and crack on straight away he's ready to to you know go back into training straight away and just uh, you know i just said you've got to have somebody that rides him that doesn't let him get away with anything you know he was a very clever horse and he would have you know he would have known as soon as there was somebody different on him and someone that he could maybe take for a ride so um i just said that was all i kind of said that he needed somebody to you know stay stay on top of him and not let him get away with anything Mm, i like him even more genuinely it sounds like he's got a real personality which um which i really like and respect and you're going to be at champions day um you know cheering him on i take it you've got a soft spot for him and and hoping he wins yeah definitely um yeah it's been amazing to see him um you know he's won three out of four races since he's left here and um you know it's great to see him improve and you know he had that um, you know that character that you know if, if if he's if he wants to win he'll win. Um, you know he's a fighter and um, you know the good horses have to have a bit about them and he definitely has a lot about him and yeah it'd be, it'd be very exciting to watch him on 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 Saturday. And Laura Rishi was actually, we had to move our chat a little bit earlier because she was off jumping a horse for Kim Bailey. She's doing work with Ollie Murphy. Oh, uh, uh, and also in the meantime, she won this gold medal out in, in Tokyo. So she's pretty busy. <laughs> yeah, she has had a busy time of it. And it was interesting that whilst I was in Tokyo, quite a number of racing people asked me to pass their best on to Laura Collett because clearly she has a, a massive role to play uh, in in the, the racing world as opposed to just the equestrian world that she... Uh, normally operates in uh, but fa- fascinating to hear her talking about the personality of Dubai Honor and just how important it is to have that one-to-one treatment for a horse like Dubai Honor, who, who clearly is in a, a huge yard William Haggis uh, his yard is one of the biggest in in the country uh, so to have a bit of one-to-one time to have that uh, understanding that the horse does need one-to-one time um, you know a good move from from William Haggis to seek out help from from Laura Collett to help 
uh, this horse find find his stride, and and it has been really impressive. Well, that win in in France last time was uh, tremendous. I mean, James Doyle has, has said it that the turn of foot he showed uh, was ex- exceptional, and certainly impressed connections enough to warrant a spot in what is a very very good race. So if they've forked out seventy five grand to get him into this, uh, when you consider the strength of the opposition, they've got to be fairly confident he's gonna he's gonna put up a big show. Yeah, William Haggis is um, triple-handed in, in that contest. And with Adeyar's presence in there, um, it looks the, the strongest race of the day. A fascinating contest. What will that mean? What will the whole day, Kitco British Champions Day, mean for Thoroughbred Racing Commentary's global rankings? Well, James Willoughby joins me now. Uh, James, three of the top 10 horses in the world on the global rankings are competing. At uh, two, you've got Palace Pier. Number four in the world, Mishrif. And Mishrif is up against number 10 in the world, Adar. It is a day not lacking in quality. Yeah, first a general point, Tom, which is, in all my lifetime, I can never remember a couple of races back-to-back, especially like the Champion Stakes and the Queen Elizabeth II Stakes. And, and well done to Ascot for attaining that uh, title. And just as a sort of feel-good comment, if I may make one, aside from the sort of very kind of intellectual sincerity of uh, rankings, which is everybody uh, has gone through such a tough time in the last couple of years. Life itself is generally quite hard. This is something to really celebrate if you're a horse racing fan. It's escapism in its purest form. It is a wonderful celebration of the thoroughbred. And what I hope that TRC Global Rankings does is to give that sort of nebulous raw excitement a concrete sort of framework and to say that these are simply put the best thoroughbreds on earth and that's not just some subjective opinion that's based on a who beat whom and by how far the network of ratings and rankings that that our system puts across the world that enables us to say apart from just watching the images of horses in these great races on Saturday, we can know, because the great triumph of maths enables us to know, that we're watching horses that are of unparalleled quality around the world. And we've been blessed that the weather has allowed us to see uh, these animals on a relatively sound surface, which is, is not a given at this time of year. And should mean that the stage is set either in the champion stakes, where, as you quite rightly say, we have a tremendous clash uh, between Adayar and Mishrith and a bunch of others. And then in the mile between world number two, Palace Pier, world number 13, Baid and others, that, that if we get a definitive result to any of these races, we can be fairly sure that the horse crossing the line in front has ennobled itself as either the best horse in the world or certainly one of the top three. Now, we are, what, three weeks or so away from the Breeders' Cup. So this is the chance for the home team, I say that given that I'm sat in the UK, to cement themselves at the top of the market before the likes of Nick's go and Essential Quality get the chance to strut their stuff. Adar is 10, Mishrif is 4, Palace Pier 2. 
were ADAR or Mishrif to win the Champions Stakes, Palace Pier to win the QE2, are they likely to immediately go new in one and two and oppose St Mark's Basilica to three, or does it depend on the manner of the victory? Well, it does depend on the manner of victory, but you're quite right. Almost certainly that would be the case. And why is that the case? Well, because rankings are a classification, a hierarchy. So take golf rankings, for example. The, the better the field that a golfer beats, the more likely that he or now she is, is likely to accede to the number one spot. And here, because as in your introduction, you gave us the framework of how many good horses are running in this event, we can know that if anything wins this, these, these two top races with any degree of authority, then they, they've got to be putting down a very serious marker. And there is a subplot as well to this. I'm leaving aside the uh, arbitrary British Jockeys Championship for, for the time being, which is Charlie Appleby, trainer of ADAR, and John and Thady Gosden, trainer of Mishrif and others, um, are one and three in the world. And just to remind us, the new listeners to this, that we're talking about the rankings on thoroughbredracing.com, all of these rankings are fully automated and they use existing maths. And the reason that Charlie Appleby and John Gosden are one and three is that we treat the trainer's hierarchy just like as if all the trainers are jockeys, are horses, sorry. So if you will, their representatives add or take away from the trainer's own profiles. At the moment, Charlie Appleby is our number one in the world. John Gosden, a long time number one. And it's another element that makes these horses, the synergy between them, because of all the skills a trainer possesses, the number one skill, let's be honest about it now, is the ability to impress major owners and a coterie and keep a coterie of major owners together who will supply that trainer with an endless uh, quality of top horses. But apart from that, it is to deliver horses in tremendous condition on the days that matter most. And what, Tom, what finer test could you have than Charlie Appleby and John and Thady Gosden here with Palace Pier and Mishrif? In, the, in their races. If you look back over history, it tells you that the truth of the matter is that John Gosden, he just never misses when it really matters, apart from in this fixture last year when it was very, very soft ground. And I think we can throw that out of the sample quite confidently. But he never misses uh, when he has a horse in this kind of head-to-head event. And to me, that's what makes a champion. It's not just the volume of success. It's the efficiency. It's the deadliness. And I haven't seen him fail before. And it'll be very interesting to see if he can do it again. Two more things I'm going to throw at you, if you don't mind. One of them, you mentioned Bayid. He's the, the next horse that we're going to see this weekend behind uh, number 10, Adair. The one after that is the stayer, Trushan, who's in at 18 now, having moved up from uh, 21 with his uh, win out in, uh, in France at the ARC meeting. Um, the 18th best horse in the world is trained by Alan King. I love that, James. Absolutely, yeah. And... Look, I love watching stairs as much as the next person. They're, they're great to watch. They come back every year. They have great courage and stamina. But the truth of the matter is that they belong to a subclass of horses. In other words, it's a smaller population 
it's not the dirigeur of flat racing. If a horse is truly elite, it will probably run over a mile and a half. It's only if it if it doesn't have that particular speed that it'll go over further. And in in former days, the, the Ascot Gold Cup and races like that were the absolute top of the tree. Now they're not. So therefore, that's what Truchan is up against. His lines have been cast in easier waters than these top horses. But in his two wins, he's been unbelievably impressive hasn't he in france last time he just ran away with that event in this race last year he couldn't have done it any better i think and i'm glad you brought this up that he is a very very interesting runner if he distances this field again you start to ask yourself what manner of a horse is this true shan yes he was once beaten off 91 he came through the handicap route he's trained by a jumps trainer but in terms of class, even though he's kicking out the way horses who aren't properly elite, and I must point out at this point, he's made one or two, um, well, on a couple of occasions, he's made Stradivarius uh, look ordinary. Um, if he can do it again, you've got to start to say, well, I know it'll not happen. I know Alan King will not drop him back to a mile and a half in future, because why would he? But I'd kind of like to see it on soft ground, because the way that he's doing it shouts absolute class, not just a horse who needs an out-and-out -out test of stamina. And the other thing I wanted to throw at you was, with the fact that we've got a jockey's championship in the UK, which looks set to go down to the wire, how do we equate that to the TRC global rankings? They seem to bear no relation to what's going on as far as the day-in, day-out stuff in the UK goes. William Buick is fifth currently in the world. Um, he is the, the second best, according to the rankings, jockey in the UK behind Frankie Dettori. Got to go all the way down to 40th for Oshie Murphy. He's only the seventh best jockey in Britain. Explain. Right. One can have an objective view and a subjective view on things. The subjective view coming from one's senses, the objective view often coming from computation. In this case, and I want to introduce a little bit of controversy here, my subjective and objective view coincides, which is I don't actually think Oshin Murphy really is a top jockey on the world stage. I really don't. I think he makes an absolute host of mistakes in top races. What I think he's brilliant at is the PR of it, in that he does these mayor culpas, which makes everybody quite understandably feel positively disposed towards him. But although the sport can never bring itself to admit this, the different success levels of jockeys are caused more by the difference in opportunities than talent. And some jockeys, and I believe that Murphy is one of them, benefit from the fact that they talk a good game. And I think if you look at, well, I know that if you look objectively at his record in group races, the reason he's down at number 40, he wins plenty, but he has plenty of chances as well. And he makes quite a lot of mistakes. And although it's not kind of popular to criticize jockeys and one obviously admires the, 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 the dangers they face and the skills they possess. And this isn't kind of like a takedown of him as an individual. I think he's great for the sport. but my objective view is he just doesn't measure up to his public profile. And for that reason, I'd kind of like to see William Buick win the Jockeys Championship because I think he's much better than Murphy. 
I think he's more efficient than Murphy and I think he makes fewer mistakes than Murphy. A pleasure listening to your thoughts as ever, James. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you very much, Tom. We look ahead now to a big weekend in Australia in the first of four international segments in partnership with HBA Media. HBA Media is the leading media rights agency distributing horse racing events such as Royal Ascot, the Saudi Cup, the Melbourne Cup, the Breeders' Cup, Pegasus World Cup and more to a global audience. Here's Jim McGrath. G'day, Tom. Melbourne in the spring, roses lining the outside rails of Australia's most famous racetracks, bathed in warm sunshine. Ah yes, that brings back happy memories. But the old cliché that Melbourne is a city where you prepare for four seasons in a day is still applicable, I'm afraid. And this Saturday, one of the busiest upmarket betting days in the Aussie racing calendar, punters are bracing themselves for rain and soft ground. The Caulfield Cup, inaugurated in 1879, is run at Caulfield, appropriate that, Caulfield being a fairly sharp left-handed circuit, one of Melbourne's four city tracks, and the Cup, over a mile and a half, is the richest handicap in the world. Total prize money, £2.8 million, with the winner's slice being £1.68 million. For the first time in years, there will be no European-trained runner. That's due to the draconian quarantine restrictions in Melbourne because of COVID, plus the need to subject all would-be runners to a CT scan as well as other stringent vet checks. But the great thing about Aussie racing is that a story always comes along. And this year, it's a horse from the outback Queensland called Incentivise. Talk about romance. Last March, he was beaten into eighth place in a maiden in outback Toowoomba. But since then, he's strung together eight consecutive wins, including two Group 1s at Flemington and Melbourne. He's been partly sold, the big hitters stepped in straight away, and the new owners gave him to Peter Moody, the outspoken former Bushy, who we all know here as the trainer of Black Caviar. Moods now trains at Pakenham, just outside Melbourne. Incentivised looks set to be one of the shortest prize favourites in the 142-year history of the Caulfield Cup. That was until he drew the outside uh, uh, barrier in uh, the 18-runner field. He's still favourite, but now around 2.6 in betting, just under 13 to 8 for old-timers. And jockey Brett Preble will have to have his wits about him to get across to the inside rail. One who might match strides with him early is Delphi. A uh, former uh, Aidan O'Brien-trained Galileo stayer, but now with the Freedmans in Melbourne. His recent win in a prep race, the Herbert Power, has persuaded Damien Oliver to get down to his lowest possible riding weight of 8 stone 4. He'll probably have to put up a pound overweight, however. But with the likelihood of very soft ground, my selection in the Caulfield Cup is the chosen one a Kiwi-staying mudlark who finished third in last year's Caulfield Cup and who also chased home Delphi and the Herbert Power in good ground. The going change might see him turn the tables this time. David Eustace and Kieran Maher pin their hopes in, ex- in a horse called Explosive Jack, a triple derby winner who could easily sneak a place. Believe it or not, on the same day, Sydney is staging the Everest, the world's richest turf race at Randwick. Total prize money, £8.3 million, with the winner picking up £3.4 million. That's a decent payday for somebody. The Everest has been run only four times, and Karen McAvoy has won three of them. 
He could do it again with classic legend last year's winner. But I fancy the South Australian sprinter Guitra to spoil the party. And there will be plenty of that on Saturday night in both capital cities, even with the COVID restrictions. Rishi, all I need from you, sir, now is a, is a tip to send us into the weekend happy. Okay. <laughs> you've, already given, uh, you've already given two. Yeah, I've given one. two already. That will probably make no one happy, other than if you're going to lay them. Um, but why would you lay at such big prices? I am actually, I'm not having a bet today, Tom, um, but I, I'm having a pretty, what I would consider a fair bet on Alba Flora in the Kipco British Champions Phillies and Mare Stakes. I think Snowfall is vulnerable. Uh, she's obviously had, uh, she, she would have had a, a hard enough race in the arc. Um, even though some people are saying that they, they sprinted and they didn't go that much of a gallop. Um, and I think Alba Flora back at Ascot, where first time up this season, she was mightily impressive. Um, and obviously she was behind Snowfall at uh, York. But I, I'm not sure the Snowfall who dominated in the mid-season is the Snowfall who's going to turn up at Ascot. So I'm prepared to take a shot on Alba Flora uh, upsetting the apple cart. And she is my tip uh, on Champions Day. Uh, great stuff. And you, you invoice by the tip as well, don't you, Rishi? Not by the, by the podcast. So that's, that's, uh, that's Judged a by last, last time I was on with you, yes. Um, yes. Because I think that, that worked out all right, um, if, if you don't mind me mentioning. No, 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 no please do. <laughs> Our, after timing is, is very welcome. <laughs> great stuff. Yeah, I'm not uh, mentioning. <laughs> <laughs> Rishi, thank you very much. Indeed, thank you to um, everyone that's um, contributed with me over the last couple of days and all week in the build-up to Kipco British Champions Day. Enjoy all the action this weekend and internationally as well. Great action out in Australia too. Rate us, review us and subscribe. And Nick will be back on Monday. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily. Brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.